Hello everyone and welcome to episode 550 of So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast that's all about writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo. I'm CEO of the Australian Writer Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses and I'm your host. What have you been up to this week? I went, I was very lucky, I was went, I went to a slap-up lunch with friends recently because that was my reward to myself for completing a big writing project. Now, if you've been following along in the listener community on Facebook, you'll know that I've been doing this big writing project and one of the things that I do to get through, you know, some of the parts that feel a little bit like wading through mud is I reward myself. So I have little rewards along the way when I achieve, you know, a certain number of thousand words. I might binge watch something or I might have banoffee pie or I might, you know, treat myself to something or other. It might be a massage. It might be something as simple as taking my cat Rocky out for a walk. Oh, you might have just heard him in the background then. Um, gone are the days, I used to be a bit crazy, gone are the days when I used to think, hey, yes, if I edit this next thousand words, I'll reward myself with 20 push-ups. Ridiculous. Don't do that anymore. Had decent biceps back then though. Anyway, so getting through the messy middle or when you have to get through quite a lot of word count is something that can work with either the carrot or the stick approach. I love the carrot approach. I need rewards. I mentioned in the Facebook group when I was discussing this in the video that I met a guy once who used the stick approach and he would declare very publicly that if he didn't reach a certain word count by a certain date, a very specific date, that he would donate $1,000 or whatever it was to the Ku Klux Klan or some other organization that was, you know, a bit on the nose. So that was great motivation for him because he definitely used the stick approach in order for him to achieve that outcome. I'm not really fond of that, but I definitely like the carrot approach and I think that that is definitely a great way for you to motivate yourself, well, or reward yourself for reaching a certain milestone in your creative journey. Now, I've been talking about the Facebook group and uh, if you're new, what I'm referring to is the podcast listener community on Facebook. So many fantastic writers in there from all walks of life and all at different stages of our writing journey. So if you want to join the podcast listener community on Facebook, just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. It's free to join. I'd love to see you in there. Lots of great conversations happening in there as well. Now, also other things that are happening in the community, here's a date to add to your calendar if you're in Sydney in particular. It's Saturday the 19th of August and it's at 10 a.m. I'm really excited about this because I'm seeing the book launch of Shulin Moore's picture book, Nothing Alike. It's at the park at 140 Glee Point Road in Glee and then it's followed by a book signing at the wonderful Glee Books. I just love Glee Books. I think I practically lived there for almost a decade when I you know, lived in that area. Um, I'll also post details of the book launch in the podcast Facebook group just in case you're driving or you're not able to write the details down or whatever. Now, oh, there's my cat again. He's very noisy today. Shulin is very impressive. In addition to being a surgeon, she also has the time to write picture books. There are already more in the pipeline after this one. 
And I have no doubt that this is the start of many, many, many books in Shulin's repertoire. I mean, she already has more picture book deals under her belt. So, you know, make sure you come and celebrate with me um, on the launch of her new book. If you are coming, make sure you come say hi to me. And with more community news, I am very excited to highlight that one of our graduates, Raquel Collard, uh, has um, released her debut book, Marketing Launchpad. She did the course, well, she's done many courses at the Australian Writers' Centre, but in particular, she did the one called Write a Book That Showcases Your Expertise. And she's had a great career in marketing, so she has distilled that knowledge into her book, Marketing Launchpad. Now, the other thing is that since publishing it, Raquel has created a new business for herself centred around the book. So she's now built out programs, memberships, courses, in-person workshops, and so on um, for people who want mentoring and advice on building a strong marketing foundation. So I'm so thrilled to hear that the book has spawned a whole new business for Raquel. Well done. And if you're interested, again, her book is Marketing Launchpad. Now on to my writing tip this week. One thing that comes up in our creative writing stage one course uh, a lot is about naming characters. Some writers are, you know, reluctant to name their characters and they write these beautiful scenes, but the character is just he or she or they, you know, without a name. I think it's really important to name your characters as soon as you can. Naming them basically makes them more real, but it also tells you a lot about their personality. For example, um, Margaret is quite different from a Maggie or even a Marguerite, perhaps. Names are powerful. I mean, think of all the fairy tales about people hiding and revealing their names. And as soon as you name a character, you kind of give them an extra spark of life. But also don't worry if you give them the wrong name to start with or if it's not quite right, you know. As you continue your story, you may discover that you need to change the names of characters and that's that's common, that happens. So just make a note of those changes because you can always do, you know, like a find and replace when you do your next edit or whatever, right? Anyway, if you're interested in finding out more about Creative Writing Stage 1, just go to writerscentre.com.au slash creative. Now let's move on to this week's competition. This week's giveaway features powerful and courageous women who rebel against the rules of society. I'm giving away three copies of The Escapades of Tribulation Johnson by Karen Brooks. So here's the blurb. It's 1679 and into the tumult, politics and colour of Restoration London and its lively theatre scene comes the fierce and opinionated Tribulation Johnson. Cast out from her family as ungodly and unworthy, Tribulation is determined to forge her own remarkable path. Arriving in London, Tribulation is astonished to discover that the widowed cousin she's been sent to live with is none other than the most infamous woman in London, a former spy and traitor's mistress, the playwright and polemical poetess Afra Bain. Tribulation cannot believe her good fortune as she is thrust into city life and the heady mercurial milieu of the theatre. Under Afra's guidance, Tribulation is encouraged to write, think and speak for herself, but women aren't supposed to have a voice or ideas, let alone wield a pen and write for a living, and there are harsh consequences for those who don't obey society's rules. 
together, Afra and Tribulation must not only face vilification and mockery, but terrible danger as plots to overturn the monarchy gather pace. When someone from Afra's complicated path reappears, the women's loyalties to king, country and ultimately each other are bitterly tested. Can their relationship survive the burning fires of religious hatred, suspicion and deceit? When everyone plays a part and all the world's a stage, who do you trust? All right, wow, lots packed in there. So I have three copies of The Escapades of Tribulation Johnson by Karen Brooks to give away. Entries close on the 31st of July. So all you need to do is go to writerscentre.com.au slash win and follow the instructions for this giveaway. That's writercentre.com.au slash win. And now... Are you ready for the word of the week? Well, I hope you are because the word of the week is ready for you. So the word of the week this week is virescent. Virescent, that's V-I-R-E-S-C-E-N-T. Virescent. What does it mean? Well, virescent is an adjective meaning turning green or tending to a green colour or slightly greenish. So maybe you could say... Melba said she was fine, but I could tell by her virescent complexion that life at sea did not agree with her. There you go, virescent. Try using that in a sentence this week. And that was the word of the week. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Do you want to write for children? Would you like to create characters and stories that kids will love? Our course in writing children's novels is the perfect way to start your journey towards becoming a children's author. This course focuses on writing for middle grade, that's 8 to 13 year olds. You'll discover how to find your voice, understand the market, take your characters and your readers on epic adventures and create a blueprint for succeeding as a writer. You'll also enjoy the convenience of learning online with your very own tutor providing direct feedback on your writing. You can find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash children. That's writerscentre.com.au slash children. And now it's time for this week's Writer in Residence. Today I'm talking to Fiona Lloyd. Her debut middle grade novel is Being Jimmy Baxter. Fiona worked in television post-production as a colourist, most notably on Channel 7's Home and Away, started doing writing courses, binging on writing podcasts, and then created her wonderful new novel. Thank you so much for joining us today, Fiona. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited. I'm very excited because I could not wipe the smile off my face when I read your book. This is your novel, Being Jimmy Baxter. It's just a delight. It's such a great story. Jimmy's such a great character and he has such a unique voice. Well, and you have such a unique voice. Um, But for listeners who haven't got a copy yet, can you tell us what it's about? Yeah, sure. So um, it's a very Australian story. Um, based on a young boy, Jimmy, who is unbeknownst to him at the start, um, running away from his father. So he soon turns up in a new town in rural Australia 
Um, and as life goes on, mum, being a single mum now, struggles with uh, keeping everything going and starts suffering from depression. So it's up to Jimmy to keep the wheels turning, um, keep the money coming in and try and find that thing that will help mum get better. Yes. And even though she's suffering from depression, it's uh, it's from Jimmy's point of view, he's such a, he's just such a, um, uh, a vibrant, you know, child with, with a, a great outlook on life. I just absolutely loved his story. Why did you, how did you come up with this idea? Why did you want to write this story? So originally, um, it came about from reading Maurice Gleitzman's Once series, which is, um, for those who don't know, a set of seven books, I think now, um, based around a young character called Felix living through the Holocaust. Um, and his character was just so endearing, um, resourceful, and, of course, that that no, those novels also have the real um, serious underlying themes but also done very gently with some humour. And I just fell in love with Felix. So the last book hadn't been written at that point. And when I finished um, what was the last one then, I was like, what happens? What happened to Felix? So it sort of morphed into this young Australian character, Jimmy, um, and then I thought, oh, you know, what, what's he seen? What, what has he had to overcome? And it, it all began to pick up from there. What age group is this for? Uh, 10 to 14. Um, I think due to some of the, the themes that is suitable for that sort of year six, year seven audience, the best. But I, I feel because it's set in the 90s that perhaps an adult could equally enjoy it with a bit of nostalgia. Um, that is exactly right. It took me back to my childhood and it took me back to um, uh, boys in my school, <laughs> specifically to Sean and the other guy who I can't remember his name, but he came from Busby and he joined our school. And I was like, oh, my God, these guys are Jimmy. And it, <laughs> as I said, it was just such a delight to read. Now, you're originally from the UK, but this is a very, very Australian story. How did you... How did that work? <laughs> no idea. Because you didn't grow uh, up here. I <laughs> I think, well, I'm glad it worked for a start because I wasn't yes. sure. Um, I just, I mean, the voice sort of came to me realistically as, as a, a distinctly Australian voice, but I did enjoy researching, you know, a lot more about um, Australia, about uh, the 90s over here. Uh, and just weaving in some of those cultural references that were either funny or really interesting or or that I could also relate to having some of the, the cross-cultural experiences. So have you always wanted to be a writer? Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, I wrote my first book when I was 11, <laughs> um, which was a, which was Christmas in Wintery Wood. So it was a very sort of, um, you know, typical English squirrels in the forest and that sort of thing um, with some very badly drawn pictures. But, yeah, I, look, I've always written, but I think during the 20s and 30s I just let it go. I thought it was too late. Um, and then in my 40s, inspired by a friend actually, I went, well, she can do it. Give it a go <laughs> and see what happens. And what did you do in the meantime? 
Oh, everything. I, I, I'm one of those people that sort of has done something and then gone, yep, tick, what's next? So I've literally, I've done tour guiding in Europe, um, all the shops, all the bars. I've done TV work, a whole probably 26 jobs or something crazy, but yes, a bit of everything. Now, your target readership kind of aged up in your journey because I think you originally were interested in picture books and then you actually did the chapter books course at the Australian Writers' Centre, writing chapter books for six to nine-year-olds. But doing that course, even though you learn stuff, sometimes one of the things you learn is actually I want to write for a slightly older group and now yeah. this is like a this is middle grades, 10 to 14. So what appeal, why were you drawn to that age? What appealed to you that made you kind of think that's the age I'm going to write my story in? Um, so look, I did really enjoy the six to nine and that course was fantastic. Um, but I realized that I'm a very descriptive person, um, which sort of lends itself to more long form writing. Um, but at the time I had actually gone for a picture book assessment with somebody and at the end of that, it came out very disappointed. Um, but with the realization that, yes, it is long form writing. I'm meant to be doing uh, and just get on with it. <laughs> so when you thought of this idea of of Jimmy and thought, okay, well, what scenario can I put him in? How long until you just sort of give us a timeline of of how long it took you to to write the novel? And what were you juggling as well at, at the time? I assume you weren't doing it full time, this being your debut novel? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it was a relatively quick process for me. Um, the initial idea, I think it took just over a weekend to write a short story because it did come out very, very quickly. So you um, wrote this as a short story first? Yeah, so it was about three and a half thousand words um, and it was just based around the two characters, Jimmy and Mac, who's the old man. Um, and it was it was essentially just a sort of dialogue between those two characters. But I submitted that to a competition and it, it didn't get anywhere. Um, but my critique group said, there's more, there's more you can do with this. Um, so it sort of grew over a period of months. But in the end, it was actually only nine months until I had a full a full draft, um, which is very, very quick for me. Um, and how did you fit it in? Like did you have set writing times or did you just manage to squeeze it in amidst your other responsibilities? Yes, it was very squeezed in. Um, I was working four days a week in school hours doing my post-production work. Uh, then straight to school pickup for I've got three children uh, and then of course all the after school activities so it literally was squeezed in um, I did make excuses and go and sit in the car while they were doing their sports <laughs> and things like that uh, yeah absolutely squeezed in and making the time to get up early and you know make some space so it 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 is um I couldn't put it down um and I just thought it was really well structured and it went at the ideal pace the story unfolded at an ideal pace how did you did you know what was going to happen did you map all that out first and then write the story or did you kind of just free and easy um just pants it um, look, it was a bit of both. It started off very much as discovery writing. 
Um, I obviously knew it would have a happy ending, but I wasn't sure what that was. Uh, and the there was a specific conversation um, that actually ended up in the middle of the book that was originally at the start um, that sort of had set the tone and, and that's where I knew I was going. It was going to be a sort of prologue coming round in a circle to that conversation again. Um, and I forgot that you asked the question. Uh, <laughs> Whether you... How how much of the plot did you or the story did you know? Oh, yeah. You know? Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so no, discovery writing, um, very much discovery writing to start with. Um, but then I think because I did the plotting and planning course with yourself, um, Kate Forsyth, who ran the course, had given us so much information and it really has uh, started to change how I do write. So I was very much discovery writing for a long time but I'm more of a plotter now uh, it's a bit of a mix but each time more plotting <laughs> what did you get out of that course oh gosh well I certainly had a light bulb moment there were there were many wonderful things and I still have all the handouts and I do read them often um on, on a simple level Kate has her wonderful um keep your work tidy, which was a great tip with all her colourful folders for different projects. And that's saved me on many occasions. Um, but in terms of the actual plotting, there was a turning point um, in terms of plot structure that I, I knew plot structure, but the way she explained it just cemented something in my mind. And that really helped me move forward. And... Tell us how you got your book deal. Okay, so um, bit of a bit of a backwards and forwards story, as most of them are. But um, I had been with um, Kathy Tasker, who's one of your amazing tutors. She uh, helped me shape it enough to submission point, and I was beginning to look around who should I submit to. I had booked manuscript assessments um, with Alan Unwin and Scholastic by the Creative Kids Tales Festival. So my plan was I will have the assessments, see what feedback I get, change it again, and then I know that I'm in a good spot to sort of start putting it out there. Um, in the meantime, through my work with the Writers' Festival, uh, a colleague. So this at, is the Central Coast Writers' Festival. Words on the waves. Yes. Yes. Words on the waves. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, so a colleague there who had worked for Penguin read it and kindly offered to put it forward to somebody, which of course you can't say no to. <laughs> uh, so then there was a little bit of a backwards and forwards with um, one of the manuscript assessors had asked for some more pages. It was sitting with Penguin and I was sort of not sure where to go from there. Uh, so I did email Penguin and said, oh, you know, what's happening? Have you had a chance to look? And then about a week later, someone got back to me and said, we'd love to take it to acquisitions. Wow, that's fantastic. And it's also a testament to the power of networking, right? Because it was through someone that you knew who, um, who put it forward, but you yeah. would have never known that person had you not made an effort to become part of the writing community in general. Yes, that's so true. Um, I mean, I, I think I I started networking uh, in 2018 just in terms of looking for that community. Um, and the more 
I found people, the more I found more people. <laughs> uh, and it really is an essential part of, of what you do, but it's it's a very enjoyable part. It's not something you, you go into thinking, oh, I am networking. Um, <laughs> actually enjoying everybody and every, it's such a gracious community. Yes, it really is. Um, so now that this book is out, you are writing your second novel, correct? Yes, I have actually submitted it. Oh, fantastic. But you've aged up again, is that correct? Yes, I have. Um, I, I, <laughs> I think I just write what comes out, so I never know where, what, where I'm going to end up with it. But, yes, I think this is definitely more sits with that sort of 14-year-old age group um, and has some themes, again, that are a little bit older, like consent and the, the who am I, all those things teenagers go through. So you mentioned that you had to do a bit of research for this book, particularly being in the 90s in Australia. Um, and, oh, my God, as I said, it took me back. I was like, I did dioramas too at school. You know? <laughs> so what kind of research did you have to do and where did you find it? Um, it was literally the the good old Google. Um, I'm, I get a bit down the, the rabbit holes when I start Googling, but... Um, it was a lot of of the sort of basic stuff like the lollies, for example. You know, I was sort of thinking, I really need to know which lollies were around and, um, you know, make sure yes. the facts were correct and the dates, are they still around? Um, and obviously, have any has anything changed its name since then and is that inappropriate to use that example? So... <laughs> That is so interesting because, yeah, there's the chocolates and all that kind of stuff, it, which it, it didn't even occur to me that you would have had to research it because that it was just such a natural thing for me to yeah. read. Um, okay, that's interesting. So within this slightly older novel that you um, have just finished and submitted, what kind of – is that set in the past? And what and it, w regardless of that, what kind of research have you had to do for that novel, the second novel? Um, that was it's no, it's a contemporary setting. Uh, it's actually set between Australia and England, where I grew up um, near the beach in northern England. Um, in terms of research, uh, I didn't actually do a lot. It is very fictionalized. I suppose I researched my own children because <laughs> they are teenagers. Um, so I was picking their brains in terms of is that realistic? Is that something? you know, your friends would say. Um, but because it's contemporary, there wasn't too much research beyond that. So yeah. with now that you've had one novel, you've got one novel under your belt and this is your second one that you've just submitted, are you still writing in the gaps or have you managed to carve out set amounts of time to to dedicate to your writing? It's a, it's a mix. So um, now that I'm working on the Writers' Festival, in the lead up to that, there's a little bit of note taking in the in the cracks. <laughs> um, but throughout the year, I definitely have had dedicated writing time now. So I try and um, get in two full days, um, sort of 10 to 2, let's say, school hour full days, uh, and really just sit down. And it might just be note taking. It might be research. It might be listening to a podcast. But I, I consider that writing because you're constantly learning and, and growing. 
What's the Grandmaster plan now? Because are you starting on the third knoll and then, and are you continuing the trend of ageing up and will that now be for, you know, older young adults or adults? No, I have a feeling. I've written some notes on something I would really like to attempt, um, but I feel like I'm actually ageing down now. <laughs> so this feels like something that might be more the sort of 8 to 12 market, um, but I will need to think further about that. What has been the most um, exciting thing about getting published and what has been the most challenging thing about the experience? Gosh, I mean, everything's been exciting. It's It's been absolutely fascinating to see behind the scenes um, and just understand the processes that go on there. I think the editor's job I'm in awe of because it's way bigger than I ever suspected. Um, and every step of the way. In, in what sense is it bigger? We'll just expand on that I first. I think, you know, before before I got the contract, you sort of think, yes, an editor literally edits your work. It's, um, you know, <laughs> it sounds simple, but I didn't realise that they, um, you know, they put together style guides of how the book should be set out, for example. So, in our checking processes, um, my editor had sent me that style guide and I was able to work off, off everything she'd put together. Um, the cover brief was about a four-page document to the the potential illustrator. So I, I just hadn't realised that, you know, that that position, I guess, was responsible for that amount of work. Mm. And the most challenging thing? Gosh, rewrites. <laughs> Did you have to do a lot of them? Uh, we didn't do a lot, luckily, but I did end up adding seven chapters, um, which was uh, everything. Oh, I can't say because no, no, don't no spoilers. spoilers. <laughs> Give us, <laughs> but there's a point in the novel where um, I hadn't explored something particularly emotionally, uh, so then that led to having to to spread out that through. Tell, tell us about the moment you found out you got the book deal. Cast your mind to where were you? What was it like? I was here. I was literally sitting at the desk here. Uh-huh. And <laughs> um, was it an email or a phone call? It was an email. It was just an email um, and then swiftly followed by uh, a phone call from my agent, Brian Cook. Uh, yeah, I nearly fell over. I just I could not believe it at all. I think I went straight to my husband and flapped my mouth and nothing came out. <laughs> how cool okay so um uh finally what are your top three tips for people who are probably a year or a couple of years behind you now and they're not published yet they haven't got that deal what are your top three tips to them on you know keeping going okay so I was thinking about this um and and what I did so I would say make yourself a cover. Um, <laughs> I just played with some images from the internet um, and spent a day, you know, fiddling around. And I made myself a book cover and printed it out and stuck it on my notice board and went, that's going to happen. I love it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. That's a, that's a great idea. So, yes, it manifests. Um then I would say think beyond the book. 
So you're obviously focused on completely writing and getting that contract, but I think learn more, learn what don't you know about the industry yet? Um, how do acquisitions work, for example? Who's who in publishing? Um, try and learn those things because all of that will come in handy when you have that polished product. Um, and then finally, if it's not working, quit for a bit and put it away, take a break, and then come back with a, a set of small goals to keep you pacing forward. And did you do that? I did. I did all that. <laughs> did, did, so when did you quit? At what point did you quit and then how long for before you came back? I think I took a good, I mean, three weeks. It probably doesn't sound like a lot. but That's in, not very long. <laughs> not very long, but in the scheme of the nine months. <laughs> um, but it just it was just a mental, you know, I can't, I'm not progressing. I'm stressing about it put it away, walk away, go and make your cover, whatever it might be, um, and then, okay, I'm ready to start again. But Yes, you know, I think it, psychologically you just, the decision to quit is the key part because then it may have only, you may have only quit for one day if, it, if, the, if the act of quitting is the thing that then spearheads the rest. Yes, because I think once you've accepted I'm not going to think about that today, um, it actually frees your mind up to think about it. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. All right. Well, that's great advice. And congratulations, Fiona. Being Jimmy Baxter, I have absolutely no doubt it's going to be a success because it's such a great read. And thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been absolutely lovely. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Fiona. Now, before I leave you, here's a fun fact for you this week. So you may know that a lion on a flag can be described in different ways, but the most common is the rampant lion, which means that the lion is rearing up and standing on either one or both of its hind legs. The word rampant originally meant to climb up or ascend, but then because of its connection to flags, it became synonymous with rearing up on hind legs. And it's from there that we get the modern meaning of unrestrained, as in, uh, you know, corruption was rampant throughout the city government. Isn't it strange how words change? Or run rampant even. All right, so that's the end of this week's episode. Feel free to connect with me on social media. If you're interested in writing-related things, we are at WriterCentreAU on Twitter and Instagram and, of course, do connect with us in the podcast community on Facebook. And in my other life, I am at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, also on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercenter.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter, at writercentercomau slash news, where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions, and much more.